Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 210, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot of little dazzling, entertaining things for you today. Not a lot going on in the grand scheme of the world of sports, but we'll have some little updates from around there. Got to get into our Cowboys conversation and just some fun to be had on the podcast. But before we do all of that, before we get into the fun, we got to pay the dues, right? And and that's where greening law comes in. And again, I say this every time because I don't know. I didn't know that on a Sunday morning, whenever that was seven months ago, that I was going to be like, holy hell, I was in a bad car accident last night. But I knew to call greening law. And that's the thing. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, if you've experienced malpractice at a hospital from a physician, your first call needs to be to the attorneys at Greening Law so that they can be your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. Dude, the thing about Greening Law, man, is, and Matt can attest to it because he's dealt with it firsthand, is that they're great at the details, man. They give him answers to questions, <laughs> I always like this, that he didn't even know that were supposed to be asked. And it makes the client feel like they're always on top of things, like they always know what's going on, that they're not in an abyss. And that's the beauty of Greening Law. That and the fact that it doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and call and see if you guys are a good fit with Greening Law. Call, you tell them your situation. They say, hey, I think it's a really good fit. Let's do this. Or I don't think it's quite a good fit. Good luck. Uh, That's really as simple as it goes. And if they get you on as a client, I mean, they grind for you. They work hard for you. And as I always like to tell you, they don't get paid unless you get paid, which I think is great. It is. It's exactly right. And as you mentioned, the consultation is free. It doesn't cost you anything to give them a call and see if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. Again, that number, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Also, of course, Blue Star Motor Group. We've been telling you about these guys for forever, and I, I keep trying to get this message across. If you are looking to buy or sell a car and you have started that process, at some point you've got to involve Blue Star Motor Group, and let's see what they can do for you. You can shoot her a text, you can give her a call, 817-881-4066. Go online, check out their inventory at bluestarmotorgroup.com and just ask, like, hey, there's a car on there I like, what can we do about that? And Deb will get back to you, usually within 10 to 15 minutes. Bro, 
I've been on there a lot lately. Your boy's having that itch, man. <laughs> they got some good and ones. I, and I'm having that itch because my granddaughter has decided she wants my car. Okay. So at some point, I'm going to give it to her, and I'm going to get another one. And so I've already been just, just, just random, just checking it out, man. Because what I love about Deb and Blue Star is they got a, they got a car for every budget. Um, and it doesn't matter if you like shopping for my granddaughter, or shopping for me, shopping for my dude, shopping for if you want to have a midlife crisis car like I've had in the past. They got a car that fits every budget. So go check it out. Give Deb a text because she is a deal maker. She is indeed. I mean, they they've got all kinds of deals. I, I'm, I'm talking, they've got cars that are like $100,000 cars. They've got cars that are $30,000 cars, but they've got this right now on their website. And I just made the mistake of looking, but because <laughs> this thing is badass. right now on their website, bluestarmotorgroup.com. They have a 2018 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Rubicon 4x4. Jeeps, Jeeps are my thing. Like I, I'm at some point, hopefully going to get another Jeep. This thing is loaded out. How about this? Again, it's a Rubicon, okay, which is like one of the high levels of Jeeps that you can get. They've got it with 34,000 miles. That's it. And they've got it at under $54,000. That is a steal for this level of Jeep. Bro, it's what they do, man. I'm telling you. Somebody go get this. Somebody <laughs> listening that's looking for a vehicle, go get the Jeep and send me pictures of yourself driving around in it. And we're going to love it. But go check them out. And again, that number, it's really easy. It's very easy to get in touch with them. 817-881-4066 or online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. So Jacques put out an article the other day about our little Dallas Cowboys. And I thought this was interesting as well because you had sent me a message about this. Well, it was probably last week at some point. And I didn't realize this. And I was like, that can't be true. Come on. Apparently, pro football focus, PFF, and PFF's grades are, there are times where you can look at them and they kind of make you raise your eyebrows. Uh, matter of fact, let's take a very quick segue because I think it's worth the background to say. Like, I don't have a lot of um, respect for their grades, but I do like the stuff that they have where they tell you who's lining up where and real statistical rankings. That's different than grades because grades are subjective. But their their statistical stuff, I think, is really, really good. Their grades, I got to tell you, I give two shits about them. I don't even pay that much attention to them other than a general like, oh, this guy is ranked top 10, this guy is not. Mm. And I say this because, like, I think they had Trayvon Diggs ranked as the 36th cornerback. And to me, that's just dumb because even if you say he gave up a lot of yards and he got beat for a lot of big plays, that's cool. But if you say he's the 36th best cornerback, you're basically saying – so what you're saying is there was an open draft of cornerbacks. There'd be 35 other guys taken before him. And we all know that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff like that. And, and for whatever reason, I remember a few years ago, and this is after Zeke had a really, like an actually really good season. It might have been his rookie season or, or the year after that. I can't remember. And they had him ranked as like one of the bottom running backs in the NFL. Which j- then, it just didn't make sense when you look at it and you look at the impact on the. Now you can sit here and say, well, he's not a top five back. Okay, fine. He's probably a top 30 back, and they had him ranked like out of the top 30. Yeah, and then I'm just going to leave this alone. My all-timer was, I'm pretty sure the year Dez had 93 catches, 1,600 yards, and 16 touchdowns or whatever. He wasn't one of their top 100 players in the NFL. And I'm just like, what are y'all doing, man? Now, (laughs) so with that being said, you know, it's interesting because PFF had the Dallas Cowboys offensive line ranked as the best offensive line in the NFL this year. 
And I, I think anybody who watched this team play week in and week out, you sit there and you go, what in the world kind of grades are you giving out if the Cowboys had the best offensive line in the NFL? Because that's ridiculous. They, they certainly did not. Dude, it's not even to me. I mean, it, it was laughable. It, it didn't even make any sense. Like there was nothing. I don't know how you could even look at it and say they had the best offensive line in the league because now we look at it up close to personal because we we live in Dallas or or at least one of us one of us does. The other one still follows the Cowboys pretty closely. <laughs> but dude, we I mean, how many times did we talk about their inability to run? Their inability to, to do yeah. anything offensively except uh, the three games against Atlanta, Washington, and Philadelphia's JV team the last week of the season where they hit 43, 50, and 56. Yeah, those were impressive, but none of those performances built on anything. Um, they averaged four yards a carry, which is not anything to be excited about for the last 12 games of, of the season. They averaged only 100 yards rushing. They only scored 21 points a game if you take away those three games. And you take them away because they were clearly outliers. Yeah. And so, dude, and we haven't even talked about the big-time elephant in the room about how they couldn't possibly be the best offensive line in the National Football League. Yeah, there's just no absolute way. I don't think that when you commit the amount of penalties that they committed and you talk about the center and the left guard led the NFL in penalties, that the two right tackles that they used combined for 18 that the Dallas Cowboys offensive line on the whole committed 55 penalties as a unit. I, I don't know how you can look at that and say, oh, they were the best. Well, then why did they commit so many penalties? Because as you point out in the article, this is why. You're either hurt or you're not good enough, so you cheat. <laughs> Dude, that's the only reason you commit penalties, man. I mean, literally, that's why you commit penalties. Somebody beat you, and so you have to cheat, hold, grab, do whatever, to get back in the place where your quarterback doesn't get destroyed. Or you're hurt, which is the case with Tyron Smith, and physically you can't do all the things you want to do. So, again, you have to cheat to compensate for your inability to do what you're used to doing physically. And so, yeah, when you have that level of penalties, you're either hurt or, or, uh, or you're not any good. And we can use very easily Zach Martin as, as the uh, control you know, yeah. due to the equation. Why? Because he played however many snaps he played, close to a thousand. He had two penalties. <laughs> Why? Because he's so good, he doesn't have to cheat. Yep. And, and so when you put it that way, that means outside of Zach Martin, everybody else in the Cowboys offensive line combined for 53 penalties. Dude. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Whether it's Connor Williams or McGovern or it's Collins or it's Smith or it's Biotish. I mean, those guys as a unit outside of Zach Martin. And I think that that's probably what a lot of this is. I, I think a lot of people look because the Cowboys have a probable Hall of Fame guard in Zach Martin, and he ups the level of play on that line. But it, it, I think people look at that and they just overlook how poor some of the other spots on the line are. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you can't be Connor Williams and have 14 penalties at left guard and three three others that were declined and be like, oh, yeah, he's part of the best offensive line in the league. Doesn't happen, man. Yeah. Tyler Biotis. I mean, think about this, man. Connor Williams led the league, led left guards in penalties, okay? Tyler Biotis with nine, I believe, led all centers with penalties. Um, your two tackles combined, your two right tackles, Lyle Collins and um, Terrence Steele combined for eight 
15 penalties, which yeah. would have led, if they were one guy, would have led all tackles in penalties. But since there were two guys, Lyle Collins was third, and I believe Terrence Steele was fifth in the league in penalties at their respective position. I mean, come on, man. You can't have that level of penalties, be that ineffective on offense running the ball, be that ineffective um, scoring, and then talk about this is the best line in the league. Now, I will say this, Matt. Nobody said they were the worst line. No. I just said that they weren't the best. No, I, I think that they're somewhere. I think they're probably average, maybe slightly better than average because of the fact that you do have Zach Martin and you've got Tyron Smith, who it's obvious is not what he once was. It's going to be very interesting. And the offensive line, I think, is one of those units that you look at that they're going to have to address quite a bit in the offseason the best that they can. Zach Martin and Tyron Smith are both 31 years old. They will turn 32 next year during the season. I think it's obvious that Tyler Biotish is just a guy, a fourth-round pick at center who you're hoping isn't going to be pure trash, but is probably, at best, an average center. And then you look at your guard spot. Connor Williams is a free agent. you got to think he's gone. And so what are you going to do on that side? Is it McGovern? And then Collins at the right tackle spot. You know, there's been some thought. Do you move him into guard and, and, and maybe go out and find somebody? But you're paying, you're paying Collins to be a tackle. And his cap hit in each of the next three years that they keep him on the team is going to be around $15 million. Which is what you want to pay a tackle, not right. a guard. But, 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 and I don't give a damn what Lyle Collins wants to do. Uh, because, one, he created a lot of drama this year. And he hasn't been a uh, he hasn't been such a good player that he gets to dictate all his terms. Now I would ask him, but I wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But you know, I think the option is how much better are you if if Lyle Collins is your left guard, Terrence Steele is your right tackle, if you don't want to invest premium draft picks in the position because Terrence Steele was much better at right tackle than he was at left tackle. And that's okay. That's okay. Nobody said he had to be a left tackle. Uh, but maybe that combination of line gets you what you need. Yeah, and he's super – I mean, Terrence Steele is just crazy affordable. He doesn't even make a million dollars a year. So, you know, it's one of those things, like, if you combine it like you're talking about, then you're like, well, right. you know, we, we'd rather Collins and that money go to right tackle, but both these guys are on the team, so what difference does it make? Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I, I'll be curious to see what they do at the back end of the first round. I mean, a lot of these mock drafts right now kind of have the Cowboys, when you look at it, taking a offensive lineman there at the back part of the first round. But again, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I honestly don't because I think it's obvious that there's a variety of position groups on this team that could use help. And, and I'll be very curious to see what they do when they finally get to that point. I, um, I think the one thing I like about the Cowboys draft lately is they, and this is, they do this on purpose and, and it's really worked out well the last few years. They create these things for themselves where they don't have to take somebody. Uh, so the way their roster is set up, especially after they go through free agency, yeah, I can see them taking the offensive lineman. Got no problem with that. But they also will situate themselves so that if somebody drops and we go, can't believe it, this dude is dropping like a rock in the ocean. Yeah, they'll go scoop him. You know, i.e., um, C.D. Lamb. As of late. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've seen optimizing your connections for greater. I've seen some different things like Daniel Jeremiah put out a mock draft like probably a few days ago, and he had the Cowboys taking Nicobe Dean, the linebacker out of Georgia. I'd be shocked if that dude was there at 24 because he's a beast. I think Mel Kuyper Jr. had him taken Trayvon Walker, who's a defensive lineman from Georgia, who's also pretty good. So, I mean, who knows? I, I don't think that they're. 
I think we all seem to believe that offensive line is the one that needs the most help, but I don't feel like it's there's other position groups. Like last year, it was obvious, like they got to go defense. Like they, they just need to draft as many defensive pieces as they can. And this year, I feel like, hey, whatever the best available is on your board, you can truly go that route. And it, it, if it's a guard, kick ass. If it's a linebacker, I mean, it, it, however this plays out, it'll be interesting to see. I think what you say is just right, which is position yourself so that if that dude, for whatever reason, drops you can go oh my god we can team him with micah let's move up two spots and go get him yeah or let's just stay where we are oh my god if he's there we'll go find a lineman later let's go grab this dude yeah i mean keep in mind leighton vanderesh is probably not going to be on this team next year i mean he's a free agent they didn't pick up his fifth year option so if you lose him linebacker i think some people would look at that and say well they don't need a linebacker They, they need anything like they need anything they can get I feel like that is a piece moving forward, and they're going to have some tough decisions. I mean, we talked to Todd Archer about this. You know, they're they're going to have some tough decisions to make with some of these guys. And by the time we get closer to the draft, we'll obviously have a better understanding, probably, of whether they decided to restructure or franchise tag or whatever the case may be with virtu- a variety of different people here in the next couple of weeks before the new league year begins, which is March twentieth. And so by the time you get to that point you'll have a better idea of what this team, at least as far as guys that are here right now, are going to look at. And I think that'll help the draft strategy a little bit. No, I I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they do a good job of that. It's one of the things they do. It's one of the things I'll be writing about sometime in the next few weeks, Um, just the the way that they they attack the draft and how they set up their team. And it's it's a good formula. Uh, We just need some some payoff in the postseason. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, dude, I'm still pissy about this team, man. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. And I'm pissy for the same reason I was pissy when I saw it happening. I just can't believe they put together this really, 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 really terrific roster and just wasted the shit, man. Yeah, that's what they do. I, I mean, I just, yeah. dude, this was the best roster they've had in a long time in terms of offense, defense, top, bottom. And I'm just like, man. Y'all, you the, for this season. I'm not saying every season. Okay, get me. I'm not saying every season because every season, yeah, literally in the NFL is different. But for this particular season, dude, they had a team capable of winning a title. Yes, they did. Talent, talent wise. Sure. Now they didn't. They didn't execute it, and they made way too many mistakes, and they were real sloppy with it. And so they didn't. They deserve what exactly what they got. But from a talent perspective, if you just go one through 53, talent-wise, you just go, man, y'all, you just left it in your hand, fellas. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's frustrating because it does feel that way. And that's why, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's still one of those things I'm sure I'll get more excited as the season rolls around. But they, the fact they didn't even win a playoff game this year is very disheartening. It's extremely disheartening for this franchise. Because this, you talk about wasting years, and this is a colossal waste. I think Jerry knows it. I think Stephen knows it. Because, again, and we talked about some of the aging on the offensive line. You talk about some of the players that you're just going to have to move on from. And they're going to have to hope that as they replace these pieces, that they can continue to be a team that can have a 12-5 and record moving forward and that they don't take a step back. Kind of like Seattle did. You know, later in Russell Wilson's career where Seattle hadn't been able to figure it out despite the fact that they're able to get to like 10 wins every year. Yeah, 
No, it's a, it's no joke, man. You know, this this whole conversation started when you're talking about the offensive line and you know pro football focus, which does a really good job with with a lot of their stats. Says they they're the best offensive line in the league, and I just go, y'all are crazy. Now I did say that individually, maybe they came to that conclusion because they still had Tyron Smith and Zach Martin as elite players. They had Lyle Collins as a as a really good player, like a 85 rating, really good player. They had Connor Williams as average, and then they had Tyler Biotish as uh, poor. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, man, and I wrote this in a, in a piece, which was – and you can find it on uh, DallasNews.com or my timeline. But essentially, man, I was like, okay, so they're the best offensive line. When last we saw the best offensive line – who should really be doing their thing in the playoffs. Yeah, They had 300 yards, 307 to be exact, scored 17 points, averaged four yards a play, gave up five sacks, and were essentially non-competitive offensively. <laughs> so, I mean, that's your best offensive line. They did squat in the playoffs when it mattered most. Yeah, pretty much, and that's exactly where we're at. And here we are, and we'll regroup, and – Feels like we're just on an endless cycle that's just never going to end. And it's the same crap with this Cowboys team year in and year out of, you know, really, I think the, the best way to sum up what this franchise has now become, they're, they're new. They, they just need to make shirts. McCarthy needs to pass out shirts next season in training camp that just say wasted opportunity. <laughs> no, nah, man, you need to pass them out now so they can wear that shit all off season and go into training camp with don't waste opportunity shirts. I mean, I'm telling you, it, it, it's that's what this franchise is. When you say wasted opportunity, I immediately think of the Dallas Cowboys. But I do not think, I'll tell you this, I, I certainly do not think of Bruce Biltong because you've got the opportunity, do not waste it, to get some Bruce Biltong and put it in your mouth because you're going to enjoy it. It's delicious. It's like beef jerky. <laughs> it's not beef jerky. It's your traditional South African air-dried meat. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't, tried the biltong yet you need to do yourself this week make it like hey we're going into march i'm gonna tr for march my goal is to try bruise biltong that's what you should do dude it's i gotta tell you how the craziest thing is it's so damn good it is uh, and it's so tender it's, it's not at all like the beef jerky that you're accustomed to having because it's not jerky man it's biltong and I mean, we talk about it all the time. Y'all know I, like, I I try to watch what I eat on most most of the time. And, you know, a two-ounce pack, man, it's got 30 grams of protein, which is great for me. It's got no carbs. It's got no sugar. It's got no fat. It's got none of the bad stuff, all the good stuff. And if you're watching your weight, it's the perfect afternoon snack, man, or late-night snack because, again, ain't got no carbs in it. No, not at all. I mean, it's delicious, man. It is 240 calories, 30 grams of protein for the two-ounce bags, zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients. And the best part of it is you go to bruisebiltong.com, you use the promo code JAM15, and you guys get 15% off your order. Like other people are, are having Biltong, and they're paying full price, and Jam Session listeners get 15% off because we're the only podcast that they sponsor. It's bruisebiltong.com. Check them out. Also, of course, I'll tell you this, or Jacques can tell you better than me because Jacques has had every single car he's ever laid eyes on serviced by JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. Why? Because you trust them. They do the work they say they're going to do, and they stand behind the work that they do. We are talking <laughs> about an elite level, extremely rare experience with Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, I, uh, 
It's JR is the best, man. Y'all know how I get down. Uh, JR is great. Uh, he put some brakes and some rotors and some tires on my car last week. Uh, gave me a good price, not a fair price. And, dude, I came in with my own diagnosis. And the reason I do this is to take it to JR is I trust him to give me an accurate diagnosis because mine was wrong. So he told me the truth on that. Then I trust him to use quality parts, which he did, especially with my brakes and my rotors. Those we all know are very important on your car, especially in this ice and stuff going down. And then, man, I trust him to give me a fair price, man. And I've spent as much as $6,000, nah, $5,000, what it was, $5,000 to get an engine replaced with JR. Wow. I ain't never felt bad about writing JR a check or, or paying JR the money because I always feel like I'm getting a good deal. Even if you got to pay a big number that you don't want to pay, I always feel like I'm getting a good deal. And then finally, man, if you ever have a problem with the work you did, he stands behind it. You just bring it back and say, yo, yo, this ain't working right, bro. And he goes, no problem. Boom, 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 and get you back running. I love the guy. I tell everybody. told my friend Charles the other day who was taking his car to the dealer and watched the hatch. He said, bro, you wasting time, energy, and money. Go to JR right off of uh, 35 in Commonwealth. It's very easy to find, man. It's just north of downtown Dallas. And as you said, I mean, it, it's worth the drive, even if you're a little further out because he's going to take care of you. Let him know you heard about him on the Jam Session podcast. Online, freewaytireshop.com. Let's take a little trip around the block for all you fine folk, because I've got some stories I'd like to throw out. First of all, it, it figures that in the months after I move away from DFW, that HEB starts launching stores in the DFW area, and <laughs> they have broken ground. Some of you that, that drive around are probably aware of this. They have already broken ground on a Plano location and a Frisco location. Both those stores are expected to open this fall. Well, coming up this week, they will break ground on their third location. Tell me where it is. Where is it? Where is it? I'm looking for one in the southern sector. It isn't. It's, it's going to be in McKinney. Okay, I guess I'll keep driving to Waxahachie. Yeah, Waxahachie and Ennis both have one. But yeah, this one's up in McKinney. It's going to be on the northeast corner of Custer Road and El Dorado Parkway. It is a 23-acre parcel that HEB has owned for the last eight years. And they are now finally going to open it. I thought this was interesting. Apparently, it takes them about 16 months to build one of its supermarkets. So the fact really? that they are breaking ground March 3rd coming up this week, that means that the store won't actually open probably until June, May or June in mid-2023. Okay, let's let's discuss this. Um, I had heard a lot of hype about HEB. Hell yeah, man. For years... I had a couple friends who used to drive to Waxahachie to go to HEB. And then when my daughter moved to Waxahachie, bought a beautiful house last summer. Okay, now it's when I'm over there visiting her. Okay, fine. HEB is right here. Let me go see what all the hype's about. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I can get down with this. And so that leads to the question, Matt. What is it that you think makes HB the grocery store choice of grocery store people? It's just, it, it's from the HEBs that I've been to. And I used to shop at HEB every week when I was in college because down in San Marcos, they were, they're down there where I went to school. But HEBs, they offer a really affordable price. The store brand that they do for a variety of foods is really good. The customer service is on par with some of the best customer service at grocery stores that you can have. And, and at least in the ones that I've been to, especially the newer ones, they, they build them with space to where there's plenty. It's easy to navigate the store. It's nice. It's bright. It's clean. It's HEB. 
You know what, bro? This is real talk, man. The first time I went on it, went in one, that's the that's really the first thing I noticed. It just felt bright and it felt big and roomy and it felt clean. And you're like, well, grocery store is supposed to be clean. No, 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 no. Some of them just feel like it's a whole bunch of traffic going through here and they can never catch up to keep it. The floors mopped and spit shined and all that stuff. And so the cleanliness and the roominess is what attracted me. Oh, yeah. And then I'm a cooker. Like, I enjoy cooking. No, I, I'm not doing, you know, gourmet meals and stuff like that. But I really try to cook most of the time, and I try to cook food. Like, I used to tell the family, I don't care what you want. You want filet mignon? Let's go get it from the store and cook it at the crib. You want scallops, shrimp, lobster, crab, whatever. Salmon? Let's just go get it and cook it so that when we go out, it's special, and we're not just going out just to go out. But, dude, when you start walking around there and then you see they got good cuts of meat and they got interesting things. And I always like it. Uh, they got a good, I don't know what you call it, where they make their own, some of their own stuff. And I was just like, there's nothing I can't get out of here. And it all seems like it's high quality. Yeah, it is. And that's one of the things that, because obviously this isn't in Texas, but down here in the southeast, they're originally based out of Florida. But Publix is a grocery store chain that's really yeah. big here. And Publix is one of those grocery store chains. It, it's a little bit more expensive. It is. But my, I mean, the customer service is elite. The stores are clean and bright. And the food that they make, like they, they do subs. Like you can just walk by their daily se deli section and pick up right. a pre-made sub. And they're they're awesome. Like they're their fried chicken that they do is awesome. And yeah. so it's just little things like that that you go, okay. Now I will say... I have been in the Publix because there's one not too far from where we live. They're actually building one across the street from our neighborhood that I'll probably go to because it'll be worth the cost because it offsets the cost of driving elsewhere. But right. I'm telling you, man, like there's something to that where you sit there and you say, okay, how much extra am I willing to spend on groceries for an elevated experience to where if you do have a question like, hey, excuse me, sir. Uh, yes, sir. May I help you please? Instead of what? You know, no, I'm serious, but there's a difference, right? Or instead yeah. of my God, I've annoyed you that I've asked you a question while you're working instead of a, instead of pointing to you, why don't I walk you and show you exactly where you, it is that you need? Like there's right, little right, differences right, right, right. like that, but that's the difference in great customer service. Dude, it's, um, it's, uh, dude, that's, I, I enjoy grocery stores more than people. I, and I enjoy grocery shopping and typically I go by myself. Uh, you know, because I like to get in and get out. I also like to play the prices right, which is count the price yeah, of the items yeah. in my head and then get up there and see how close I got to the actual number. And I'm weird like that, so, uh, you know, don't judge me. But uh, my favorite thing at HEB is, uh, and I, it's, it's the kind of thing you'll only try if you see it because it doesn't sound right to me. They had some something called salmon burgers, man. Mm, that sounds delicious. But, but they had them they had them like, you know, like bacon and cheese salmon burger or there's something with some kind of cranberry and super fancy cheese salmon burger. But I liked it because it was salmon, which meant, you know, the protein is good and the caloric, calories really weren't bad, even though they put a couple of things in there. And so I just, on a whim one day, just tried and said, well, let me try it. It's six bucks for two of these. They, all right, fine. I'll give it a whirl. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Um, it was delicious, bro. And so now I, every time I go down there, I, I grab a couple different packs and come home and cook them. And they're always spectacular. 
And so, yeah, man, there's a lot of grocery store talk, but H-E-B is, uh, is worth the ride. I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because there's a variety of grocery store chains all over the place. Now, in Texas, obviously, Kroger is a big deal. I think there's only like one Kroger in the entire state of Alabama, and there's none in Birmingham. Is that not funny when you go to different cities? It you is. Go, hey, my grocery store, it doesn't exist. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it, it's one of those things, like, for instance, when we were driving through North Carolina, South Carolina, and into Georgia, Ingles, I-N-G-L-E-S, I believe it is, Ingles is like the, the dominant grocery store chain in those states, and so those were everywhere, and, and they're big, nice-looking, I mean, they look like a big, nice Kroger or Tom Thumb or whatever, that's just the brand of grocery store that there is, and then here in Birmingham, Publix is huge. Publix is everywhere, and that doesn't exist in Texas. We also have a bunch of Winn-Dixie stores. That's a really big one here as well. And then Piggly right, right, Wiggly right. is a big one here. Man, I just can't shop at a joint called Piggly Wiggly <laughs> or GP. I'm not even lying to you, dog. It's got a little pig on the logo. I, I, just can't, I just can't rock like that, man. They used to have one in Dallas, and it used to literally be next. It was at the corner of um, Keystone Polk. In a little shopping center there where I used to get my hair cut when I was a kid, like 10, 11, 12. And it, I just, I, even as a t youngster, I just couldn't get down with a place called Piggly Wiggly. Like, I mean, okay, full disclosure, I am a bacon aficionado. I love bacon. Really? One of the, one of the great joys in life. And don't judge me, man, and don't laugh at me. But because you're raised a certain way, it was like bacon is meant for Sunday breakfast, Sunday morning breakfast occasionally. Somewhere, man, in my 40s, I said, I'm a grown-ass man. I don't have to wait till Sunday morning to have a couple pieces of bacon if I feel like it. Yeah. And so I started getting bacon during the week sometimes. I don't know if that was why I was a fat guy or not, but I just, I just enjoyed that, man. I mean, you can but get bacon, from, though. Aside from bacon, pigs are just nasty animals, man. That's why a lot of people don't like don't like pork because they're nasty animals. And so I can't have a nasty pig being on my logo and being inviting. So I just couldn't get down with Piggly Wiggly. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just being honest with you, man. I love bacon, but I couldn't get down with Piggly Wiggly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there, there is. It's funny, too, because everybody here just calls them the pig. Like somebody be like, hey, did, have you ever been to the pig in Homewood? And I know exactly <laughs> what they're talking about. They're talking about the Piggly Wiggly in Homewood that has a, a really good craft beer selection. And it's Dude, weird, too. I can't go to the pig either. Because <laughs> the Piggly Wigglies are like the smaller store. Like they look, when you walk inside, they look older and they're like more of a traditional type setup. But I always thought that was weird because Winn-Dixie, I think Winn-Dixie, is Winn-Dixie, there might be some in Texas. No? Yeah. There, I can't tell you anything about them, but yeah, there's some in Texas. I was going to say, but the ones here, man, like there's a couple here that are just gorgeous. I mean, they're huge. Like, I, I don't even know how to describe them. They're just really nicely done. So I don't know what there is. I'm trying to see. Let's see if there's a Winn-Dixie in Texas. It's headquartered out of Florida. That's probably why they're all over here. I know there used to be some. I don't know if they No, they don't have any in Texas anymore. They operate really? 500 stores. In Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, and Mississippi. That's it. No more in Texas. Uh, Interesting. Say, they, sure, they used to be here. I know. Well, do you remember Food Lion? Dude, there was a Food Lion in Euless right around the corner from me. Well, see, I could never get down with Food Lion either for whatever reason. Well, this is what's interesting about Food Lion is Food Lion still exists. It's headquartered in North Carolina, and they used to be all over Texas. But do you remember, this is probably in the late 90s, 
You know, primetime or 2020, one of those shows did an undercover investigation on food. Ah, yeah. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. discovered that they were lying about the dates on their meat and they would take expired meat and just swap out the date and put a new sticker on it. And when that came out, Food Lion in Texas just crashed and disappeared. Yep. But they still exist because I drove by one the other day in South Carolina. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, that's a food line. Like, holy crap. I, and, and so I looked it up, and they still apparently have like a 1,000 stores in 10 different states that are mostly in like that region of the country, the southeast and the mid-Atlantic region of the country. Wow, how about that? I know, and I want to go in and be like, do you people not know that about how they, they change the dates and stuff? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> they, they might not want to know, bro. Oh, or my God. Didn't know. I didn't realize that. This was... Okay, so what happened in 1992, that's how long ago it was, Primetime Live did this report, and that's what killed them off, and it, like they crashed and, and fell apart out of a bunch of different markets. Crazy. Bro. I can't believe that was 1992. My God, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. <laughs> but it was. Man. Dude, there used to be one in Mississippi called Jitney Jungle. Jitney Jungle. Yeah, I remember that from when I was a kid, and it had like a little monkey like on the on the logo or whatever. And I always thought that was cool because as a little kid, you're like, oh, it's like a zoo. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I, I it doesn't exist anymore. I've tried to look it up, but yeah, it used to be a thing for real. Jitney Jungle. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, man. That, I mean, there are grocery store chains. I mean, again, there's so many different ones that are all over the place that people will bring up or throw out, and you know, this is where I like to go. Let's see, Jitney Jungle was a chain of supermarkets that was based out of Jackson, Mississippi in 1919. It was acquired by Winn-Dixie in the year 2000. Damn. Yeah, how nuts is that, dude? Bro, <laughs> go figure. Bro. Well, there you go. I hope you guys enjoyed grocery store <laughs> talk. All right, so we're still, this is the block, and there was something else I wanted to bring up. Because this sounds like something that we would both enjoy, but apparently there is a salad shop named Crisp and Green, and they only have two shops in the entire state of Texas right now. One is in University Park across from SMU, and the other is on Abrams Road over there in the Lakewood area. Well, right, Crisp right, right. and Green has announced they are expanding across DFW. They are opening 15 stores in the next few years, and the third one will open in April in Rockwall, Texas. How about that? Yeah, right off of 30 near the off of Ridge Road, which is really close to the lake. And apparently this is a a salad and grain restaurant that sells salads and grain bowls and drinks like the mother of dragon fruit and smoothies and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm what's, just reading. A, what's a salad grain bowl? I don't know. It, it's it's a bowl that I guess you can get grains and salad stuff in and you can mix it up and it's all real fresh organic ingredients, it sounds like. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, so here it is. So it says grain bowls come with a base of brown rice and are layered with veggies, protein, and dressings like jalapeno lime vinaigrette or citrus miso sesame. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just reading what the thing says. I don't know. I'm but, not holding you responsible. But, you know, I mean, people, they like eating healthy at some points, and so stuff like this is getting more and more popular. Crisp and green is the name of it. So Rockwall people, mom and dad, look for this. It'll be there in April. <laughs> I like a good yeah. salad. I mean, I'll eat a salad. No, I'm a I'm a salad guy. I um I prefer uh, matter of fact, uh, I probably need one. I prefer uh, spinach to lettuce, though. That that was my uh, that's what happened as I got older. I became more of a lettuce guy than a spinach guy. 
Probably over the last 10 or 12, 15 years. I like that. I'll eat a lot of kale. Like, I'm actually somebody who actually really wow. enjoys kale. Okay, now, see, I found kale to be too bitter for me. Yeah, and that's probably why I like it, because I like Oh, but stuff. you know what you like? You like, uh, as soon as I said that, yeah. I was like, you're talking to Mr. West Coast IPA, yep. Mr. Dankness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's probably why you get down with kale. Yeah. See, see? You know. So the other thing I've got for you is the James Beard Award semifinalists have been announced. And North Texas has a bunch of places that are on this. But how about this? There was a restaurant. Only two Texas restaurants made the list for best new restaurant in the country. One of those is, and we've talked about this place before, right smack dab in Farmer's Branch, Roots Southern Table has been nominated for a James Beard Award as best new restaurant in the country. I like that. Um, you know what? I think I was supposed to go one day and something happened and I had to cancel my reservation. So maybe I'll go again. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I'll reschedule my reservation and go. Their chef, Tiffany Derry, has been named a semifinalist for best chef in the state of Texas. So that's kind of cool. All right. Nah, yeah. That's that shit. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And there's a few of those. There is apparently Mariska Trejo of Richardson. There's a bake shop in Richardson called La Casita Bake Shop. And she has been named as a semifinalist in the Outstanding Baker category. Dude, does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't. And it's kind of interesting because, so Best Chef in Texas, there's a few of them from the DFW area. One of them is a sushi place in Plano. One of them is from Revolvo Taco Lounge. Really? Where I thought, is that it? Oh, man, those are, there's a couple of revolvers. There might be one in Deep Ellum. Let me see. I can't remember. That might be what is the one in Deep Ellum. Yeah, it is. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, so there's a couple revolver, revolver taco lounges. There's one off of uh, Main Street, I think, in Deep Ellum. All right. And that's the one that I've been to. Yeah, they're good. I mean, the tacos are good, but enjoy that if you are a James Beard Award place. And then they have, you know what's really interesting is one of the places for, and they James Beard Awards, they, they're based on region, and then they have awards like Best New Restaurant, Best Restaurant, and what for the whole country. One of the one of the places in in Birmingham that was nominated is, and this is unique. I until I moved to this part of the South, I didn't know that these places existed. It's called a meet and three, where you walk what? in. It's a meet and three. It is the it's and all they do is you get to choose your meat, and then it comes with three vegetables of your choice. Wow! I, and there there's there's a handful of them, and one of them here. I mean, it's it's it's. You know, a meat and three, and you go in there, you're like, yeah, I want the meat and three, and I'll do turkey, and then greens, and corn, and mashed potatoes, or whatever it is. <laughs> and it's like ten ninety nine for the plate. One of those places was nominated for the best hospitality in the country for a restaurant. Wow. How about that? And I was like, man, we got to go there. I want to I wanna check that out. I like the meat and three. Yeah. I mean, that's just what they're known as. I don't know why. I mean, it, it makes sense when you break it down that way, but there you have it. So uh, just uh, some fun little stories there for you in the block that everybody can enjoy. <laughs> we hope. Hell yeah. Also, of course, you may be wondering, golly, you're, you're eating lunch for 10 bucks. Why don't you splurge a little bit? Well, maybe I need to call Hector, you know, maybe I need to call Modern Woodman of America so that I can plan my financial future so that I can go out and splurge on myself from time to time. That's where Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America comes in, man. If it's time to start saving, if you need and you know you need to take a little bit of a closer look at your finances as you plan for the future, it's hard to know where to start. That's why the first thing to do is to call Hector and just be like, Hector, heard about you on the podcast. I don't know what to do. Can you help? 
And he's like, I Dude, got you. What you got to do is give Hector a chance to put a game plan together for you. I mean, we moaned and groaned about the Cowboys. Why? Because the game plans to us didn't seem to be ideal at different points of the season. Well, my man Hector puts together a great game plan every, gets a, every time he gets a client. And here's why. He listens to the quarterback, who is you. Like, is you want to be more aggressive? Fine, let's put one together for you. You want to be more conservative? Fine, let's put one together for you. You want to be somewhere in between? Fine, let's put something together for you. You're not sure what to do because the stock market's really volatile right now because the world's going crazy? Let Hector explain to you, hey, here's how you ride out the storm. Mm-hmm. Here's how. Here's the things you can do. All, all this required is for you to pick up the phone, and give him a call, and let him soothe your mind and put together a game plan for you. Yeah, and I think that's really the thing. It's just an easy conversation, and, and you don't have to know where to start. You don't have to know, like, okay, well, I'm going to call Hector and be like, hey, Hector, how about these stocks? Maybe you do, but maybe you really don't know the lingo, and you don't know where to start. It, it's, it's that simple to just say, Hector, I need help. I don't even know what to ask you. And he's got you taken care of. 940-453-3490. 940-453-3490. Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. It's a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based. It costs nothing to meet with them. Phone call's free. Pick it up. 940-453-3490. So as we move forth here on this podcast, and I was going to throw this out because I thought it was interesting like right before we started recording today, you go, is uh, Selection Sunday coming up on Sunday next week? And I said, no, 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 it's still a couple of weeks off. It's actually, it's uh, March 13th is Selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament. You just laughed and you were like, well, I guess that shows you how much I've been paying attention to college <laughs> basketball. And it was funny because I had already typed on the rundown sheet today to ask if you've been paying attention to it at all. Let me be honest with you, bro. This, it, once, I, once I explain myself, this shouldn't surprise anybody. I true the thing I love most about sports is the great athletes that you see in sports, yeah. which is why I love I can watch I can watch Aaron Rodgers do his thing all day long. I can watch Pat Mahomes do his thing all day long. Have no tie in whatsoever to Green Bay or Kansas City. I just love the greatness of those players. So let's fast forward over here to college basketball. I love the NBA because those guys are so ridiculously good. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it makes no sense at some time. You leave a dude open for a corner three, it's going in. They do these incredible things. All the guys that I want to see play for the most part are already in the NBA. And so to me, the college game with the coaches and, and the way they try to control things, it's just – I just don't like it. And my team is actually pretty good this year. They're, I think they're a top 20 team. They're going to the tournament. And I'm talking about the Buckeyes, of course. But – Man, aside from the tournament, because it's a one-and-done thing, I have not been able to really get into college basketball in like six, seven, eight, nine years, bro. I I feel that, you know, and and I've kind of been the same way, but I'll tell you this. Part of what I do here is is college sports are just huge. Like, they don't care. And we talk about college basketball in regards to SEC basketball – and Alabama and Auburn, and Auburn is very good. Auburn has one of the best teams in the country this year, so I talk about them fairly often. And I've watched a lot of their games, and I've watched a lot of Alabama games too because Alabama's ranked. They're fun. I mean, I enjoy. I find myself enjoying college basketball again, which is really interesting. And I obviously, like you're talking about, this is not the NBA. You see some god-awful games from some of these teams from time to time. I mean, in the NBA, you're not going to see a team score in the 50s. 
Now, granted, <laughs> the game first quarter. The, the game is 48 minutes in the NBA versus 40 in college, but still, you know, it's interesting, but there are some fun teams. But one of the things that I, I had looked at and I thought was stunning yesterday, the top nine teams in the AP poll were all in action. Right. Seven of the top nine teams lost yesterday. It is the most top teams to lose in one day, the most top 10 teams to lose in one day in the history of the AP poll since it started in 1948. Dude, go figure that, man. Now, I think some of that is because all the best players are in the G League or the D League or the NBA. And so there's tremendous parity in college basketball. And so I'm not even surprised by that, man, because, I mean, there's no great teams in college basketball this year. Um, in general, when I talk about great compared to, you know, teams we've seen in the past. Uh, so, yeah, that doesn't really even surprise me, bro. No. And, and the three-pointer has, has, has yep. you know, made everything a lot, a lot more equal anyway. Well, it's funny because all of them lost on the road. And that was one thing that we were talking about on Friday on my show looking at it was there's going to be some upsets this weekend because playing on the road in college for whatever reason is really hard. I, I mean, Auburn's lost their last three road games and they're still one of the best teams in the country. Kentucky's lost their last two road games. But here are the teams that lost yesterday. Number one, Gonzaga. Number two, Arizona. Number three, Auburn. Number four, Purdue. Number five, Kansas. Number six, Kentucky. And number nine, Texas Tech. All of those teams lost. The only team in the top ten that didn't lose yesterday that played was Duke, who went on the road to Syracuse and won by 25. And they're number seven in the country. Right, right, right. I mean, it's great. But to your point, there is no great team. And, and every team now in the country has at least three losses. And it'll be really interesting because that's one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament maybe more exciting now than it ever has been. Because this is one of those years that it would not be surprising to see a Butler-like run where some team just gets hot that's an eight seed or an 11 seed and, and just makes a run to the Final Four because all these teams are capable of being beaten. Um, I think that's a that's a good way. Like, like I'm trying to figure out. So Gonzaga was number one. Maybe Arizona was number two. I have no idea who three and four were. Um, but it just goes to show that the tournament's wide open, and that's why the tournament will be fun because somebody will make a run this year. Because yeah. why not? Yeah, I mean that, that's and so to me. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like you were talking about with these teams that that shoot a lot of threes, like Alabama shoots 33s a game and they have one of the most efficient offenses in college basketball. When they're hot, they they've beaten Gonzaga. They've beaten Baylor. They've beaten Houston. They've also lost to some really crappy teams. And Alabama is a great example of a team who will probably be a five seed in the tournament who could lose to a 12 seed in the first round or could stun everybody and run to the final four (laughs) because of the volume of threes that they shoot. And when they get hot, you can't beat them because they play decent enough on the defensive end where a team like that that shoots that many threes I mean if you're if you're going to hit 45% of your threes and you're hitting you're shooting 30 35 threes a game you're going to roll out of bed score 85 points yep no you you're right that's that's the best way to look at it that's why people shoot the three because <laughs> that very reason that allows you to stay in games it's uh dude I think I see I just told you I don't I don't college basketball doesn't do much for yeah me. yeah like who is the best player in college basketball this year Man, that's a very good question. There's a couple, you know, Oscar Shibway for Kentucky is probably oh. up there. I mean, he, he is a beast. What is he? He is a forward. He <laughs> scores 20-plus points a game regularly. 
he's probably averaging, I'm going to go look and see it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's averaging like 20-something points and almost 15 rebounds a game. Oh, I'm right. He's averaging 17 <laughs> points, 15 rebounds a game. Um, is he like a power forward? Yeah, he, he's like 6'9", 6'10", 255. Like he's, a, he's just a beast of a guy down low. He's the best rebounder in the country. I mean, 15 rebounds a game. And then you got this kid from Auburn, Walker Kessler, who has had, he's almost had three triple doubles this year because of blocks. Wow. I mean, he, he's had, he's had one game where he blocked like 14 blocks in a game and he's, you know, he's like a, a, a 12 point, 10 rebound, eight block a game guy. That's hard to believe a dude blocked that many shots in real college basketball. I mean, it's, he, yeah, he God. just, he just set the Auburn school record a couple of games ago for most blocks in a season. <laughs> and he has the idiot. highest block percentage of any player in college basketball in like 15 years. It's insane. How tall is how tall is he? He's seven one. Okay, so he's a big, big old skinny white dude. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's one of those guys the Mavs will draft, and everybody will be like, "Damn it!" Wow, yeah. you did. You went there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, we all remember. I mean, come on, isn't that what they do? I mean, it's like wasn't Jim Farmer like their first ever draft pick in the history of the franchise, or UE Blob, or somebody like that? Bro, I try not to think about it, but yeah. I mean, that's just how they've been, but. I, it, it, it could be one of those guys, um, J.D. Note, who is a guard from Arkansas who went off yesterday. Uh, he's probably in the conversation. He's really, really good. He put up 30 yesterday against Kentucky. SEC's got some good players. And, and again, you know, I, I, I watched SEC basketball. I haven't really watched a lot of these other teams. I'm sure there's some other great players from around the country. But, you know, anytime you look at player of the year list, I know those three guys are usually at least in the top 10. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, so, fair enough. Something like that for those of you who enjoy that type of thing. Yeah, college yeah. basketball, it's interesting because I probably in the last, I would say, you know, college football season wrapping up is probably December a little bit, but for sure January and February, I've probably watched more college basketball in these last two months combined than I watched in the previous five years combined. I know for well, a fact that know. I have, yeah. <clears throat> Because we didn't me, talk about me, it in Dallas. Like, it just, say, it's just not me, a thing. Let me, let me throw some love Matt's way. Because Matt's doing what a radio host in Birmingham should do, which is, oh, this is what the people here love, so I guess I should get into what the people here love, whether I truly love it or not. Maybe I'll learn to love it, but they want to talk about it, so I better figure out what to do. As opposed to in Dallas, we had several, I don't know if they were official meetings, but we used to have conversations like, do we need to talk about college basketball? You know, SMU's doing this. Uh, bro, we both know nobody cares around here. Yep. So I guess we'll save it for the uh, Cumulus Cafe in between, in between <laughs> segments at the ticket at the at ESPN Radio or the ticket. That's the truth, and We'll man. get back to talking Cowboys and Mavericks, a little bit of Rangers and a little bit of golf. Uh, until the next break, we can finish this com college basketball conversation. Man, that was that always cracks me up about radio. Is and I get it because I'm passionate. Like I enjoy hockey, you know. But right. I knew like, dude, we, we that's would, another great example. We would talk about it some if the stars were doing well, and people would bitch about it. Like you guys need to talk more like about. Blah, blah. And I'm like, man, do you realize like or like radio is like like podcasting exists for micro conversations. Radio exists for macro conversations. Like when you are a podcast person and, and like what kind of podcast do you listen to? Whatever it is, you seek out a niche of something that you enjoy, right. that you want to, that you want focused on. Like for instance, the Sopranos podcast that I've been listening to, that's about, they wrapped up and I'm just now catching up to the final, final episodes. But if you tried to do that as a radio show every day, nobody would listen. 
You, you wouldn't, your ratings would be like uh, not enough to carry it. But as a podcast, right. you can have great success because, hey, there is a micro amount of the population that's very interested in this and it doesn't take as much versus what it does on the radio. And I would tell people, they're like, why do you ever talk about this? I'm like, because our company has paid for massive studies to be done in the market. And based on the market surveys that we have done, like 2% of the population cares about this. So do we, mm -hmm. do we talk to the 98% or do we talk to the 2%? Dude. Um, I mean, that's really what it is. I'll go to take it even one step further. When, when, when we were talking about it, and I don't know how much we did this, but I know I've told other people this, which is the show ultimately don't belong to you. It belongs to the audience. And so you have to give the audience what it wants so that it will listen. And then once you reach a certain level of consistency or they trust you or they, they've shown by the ratings that they're going to come regardless on a daily basis, then you can give them some of what you want them to have. But initially, man, you better get them people what they want mm -hmm. or they will find somebody else who will. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's like dating. You can get, you can meet a woman, uh, you better give her what she wants if you really dig her or she'll find somebody else who will. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's, I try to explain this to people sometimes that, I mean, like there, even in Birmingham, I mean, believe it or not, even in Birmingham, there are certain things people just don't care about. I, and, and maybe it's something and I'll mention it like within 20 seconds and then that's it. And then people, oh, you should talk about that more. I'm like, well, you're the three people that wanted to hear the mention. <laughs> you know, the other thousands of people that are listening right now, they didn't care, but they dealt with it because they knew it's just a quick blurb. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Let's get back to the main thing. Yeah. That type of thing. And, I mean, that's, that's the reality of how it works. And uh, here's the last thing I think about that. And I'm sure uh, we've both dealt with it, but I didn't. Yeah, charge me up, yeah, charge me up baby. My phone. <laughs> is, um, that was clear as day, is, too. <laughs> is when your friends call or, or people in the business call who work in PR or marketing and go, hey, we got this, uh, this great client. He'd like to come on and talk about this on your show. Uh, can you work him in? He go, bro, you know I love you. Yeah. Now, I, this is what I say now. I try to make it funny. I say, bro, you know I love you. My audience don't give a fuck about that dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. And I say, I ain't gonna lie to it's you, true. man. If and I go, sometimes we're on a different platform. Maybe we're on ESPN Radio now. We could do that thing, man, because it has some appeal. I go, but dude, our audience that we on the podcast, they don't care about that dude, man. And they ain't gonna listen. And they're gonna no. be mad that yeah. we interrupted our usual programming to bring them this shit that they don't care about. So I ain't going to waste your time. Understand. I just can't help you out now. Here's some other people around town who might be able to have a fit for it. Yeah. And, and I mean, reality of it is, too, is that people don't seem to realize this. But in radio, you know, radio, you have bosses. Those bosses have bosses. And there's expectations that are laid out. And if you're not meeting those expectations because four people wanted you to hear about this, wanted to hear about something else, they come down the hall and let you know. Like, what the hell? Are you, why are you talking about this? Nobody cares. Well, these four no, people on Twitter, these four people on Twitter said they'd like it. Well, great. Well, then go do something for the four people on Twitter, and I'll, I'll find a host that can come in here and do something for the thousands. Bro, I mean, that's real tough. That's the reality of it, man. <laughs> I know. I've told people that already when I live here because there are some little tiny things around here. Like, this is a great example of this. There's a soccer team here. It's not MLS. It's, it's the level below MLS called the Birmingham Legion. And they've got a really small but crazy passionate fan base. The problem is the vast majority of people don't care about it. 
They just don't. And, and I mean, they'll hit you up. You never mentioned this. You need to mention this. And, you know, I may mention when the season starts, uh, the casual, hey, Birmingham Legion got their home opener, their season opener today. Be interesting to see how their season turns out and give you your little 10 seconds. But there's, you know, if you if you go longer than that, then the the majority of people that that for what radio does, they just tune out and then they might not come back and you got a problem. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you want to hear about something like that? Then that podcasting is great for little things like that. And you yeah, can have exactly. a great audience, like focusing on something totally. I mean, hell, like that, that mob podcast that, that we had listened to. You know, there's so many just di- different little things that you can dig deeper into on a podcast that has a finite audience, but they're really, they can be really passionate about those smaller subjects. Yes, sir. And it works. So I'll tell you something, though, that I am passionate about, and that is putting good food in my mouth. And I'm passionate about Smokey John's Barbecue because it's about as good as you can get. And I'll tell you this. We had somebody. I'm trying to find them. Maybe I think it was yesterday. Uh, Somebody sent us a picture. Modified. Yeah. They got the modified jam session bowl from Smokey John's. I was like, here it is. It was happy. Happy P.I. on Twitter tweeted at us, said, modified jam session bowl. I got the looks from others. And I bet you did. Because that just, I mean, look at it. It looks so damn good. And I bet everybody else like, well, what the hell is that? I want it. Dude, there's nothing better than that. I, I promise you, there's nothing better than you, you walk in Smokey Jazz because I've been, uh, jam session bowl, please. And it, uh, jam session bowl, uh, mac and cheese base. Thank you. I like uh, ribs and uh, sausage on mine, mm-hmm. and people just look at. It. And then when they when they see it on a tray, they go, "You can tell they're looking at it like huh, what?" Yeah. Sometime one time one time <laughs> dude, I looked at a dude and said, "It's the jam session bowl. If you know, you know, and if you don't, you wish you did." Yeah. And that and then I turned around with my hottie laugh and left. Yeah, and I bet it, because then they what they do is they look at it and then they look at the menu like what is that? And they're trying to find. <laughs> It's not on the menu. It's a secret menu item only available for Jam Session podcast listeners. That's fantastic. Yeah, and it's awesome, man. And, and it's one of those things that when you're there and you order it, you know, Brent or Juan or whoever it is behind the counter just kind of gives you that knowing nod and you guys smile. And it, it's just, and not to mention the fact it's freaking awesome. Like, it's delicious beyond delicious. No, it's, it's legit good, man. I mean, think about it. Matt loves to eat. And I'm a former fat guy. Our names wouldn't be on it if it wasn't delicious. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, again, get over there. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. They're right there off of Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas, in between Love Field and 35. If you can't make it to the physical restaurant, I know a lot of you that listen in a variety of states and apparently other countries around the world, you can take a little taste of that Texas barbecue. Go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market, and you can order the barbecue sauce or the rub, and they'll ship it right to you so that you can enjoy it wherever you happen to be. And it's awesome. I mean, the sauce is its probably the best damn barbecue sauce I've ever had. It's the only barbecue sauce I've ever drank out of a bottle. Uh, 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 uh. That's how I sounded when I drank it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're awesome, man. It's local. It's family-owned. It's just awesome. And it's, I love when you guys send us pictures of the Jam Session Bowl. So that was a good one from over the weekend. Get out there and support them at Smokey John's Barbecue. Also, of course, and we've been telling you about Aaron and his guys with HFX Foundation Solutions for a while as well, but it, it's that same thing every time. It, it's, uh-oh, is that a new crack? It, it, my door, I swear this door wasn't sticking last season. Those are signs your house is saying you might have a problem. Do you, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not the inspection guy. Aaron <laughs> is. But HFX Foundation Solutions will come out. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. It takes about 45 minutes 
that 45 minutes as they're going over and looking at your property and checking into your foundation can potentially save you thousands of dollars in damages because you catch those issues early with your foundation and the drainage on your land. Dude, I mean, we can't emphasize it enough. What Aaron and HFX do is provide peace of mind. You hear that? Peace of mind. And so even if they do find an issue, probably they find it in the early stages and it's a lot less in terms of finances than it would be if you catch it late. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to do, guys. And again, it's a free, no obligation inspection. If you do have a problem and they find something, they will be with you the entire way through the process. They offer third-party financing. They'll get you taken care of. It's 817-770-0174, 817-770-0174. You can find them online at hfxfoundation.com. So before we wrap up today, we've got to get into our final conversation because, and I, I saw you post this maybe on Facebook the other day, and I thought, really interesting. Apparently, you started running, like like running for working <laughs> out, for cardio, like running on a treadmill or whatever. Well, dude, you know, I used to run a little bit back in the day. Back in the day, meaning, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. I used to do 5Ks regularly, and then my knees just started breaking down, Mainly, maybe because I was getting older, maybe because I was carrying too much weight, maybe some combination of the two. But I've really gotten into pretty good shape over the last uh, six months. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm like feeling good. I was doing some box jumps the other day for the first time, and, and I said, you know what? My friends have started running, my workout partners. Um, and so I was like, they were like, you need to run a 5k with us. Like, absolutely not. Don't need it in my life. But then they've, they've been running and talking about, oh, it's so invigorating. So good. So I decided to hop on the treadmill the other day and I wasn't trying to impress anybody but myself. So I did a mile. I just wanted to say, can I do a mile? Cause I haven't run in forever. I said, can I just do a mile? Yeah. So I did the mile I said, okay, that really wasn't too bad. And so I got on there, I said, let me see if I can do it back to back. So I got on yesterday, Matt, and that first mile, that first lap felt like I was running on daggers or glass. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. I think I was one lap around six minutes. That seems to be pretty good for me. Yeah. But just as I was about to say, uh, I'm a loser, I'm going to quit, I started feeling a little bit better, and so I finished it out. And even when I finished that mile out, I said, you know what? That wasn't so bad once my body got warmed up. Okay, flash forward to this morning, Matt. Um, I woke up and I crawled out of bed and it took me about 15 seconds to stand up straight because my nice. lower back was like, hey, dude, you didn't tell us you were going to start running. Here's a big F you, buddy. Give us a heads up next time. So I've been walking funny all day, bro. And I was like, I can't wait to get to the chiropractor tomorrow and get some of this worked out. Yeah, it's running is running is interesting. Like, like I run often and I'll just run. I don't even know why. It's like, oh, I think I'll burn some more calories. Or do you ever get like this? Like I'll get to a point, like a lot of the times when I work out, there'll be even be days where I'm like, I don't feel like it. But I know once I get into it, I'm going to I'll get into it. And there are days, man, like after 30 minutes of working out, like I'm so high off of it that I just want to go even more and like harder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, sometimes now it works both ways. 
Sometimes I'm like, this was the hardest 30 minutes ever. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Uh, like, I'm, I'm good for the day. I don't need to do nothing else. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, man. I, that happened to me last week. I was like, my workout's over, but I feel fantastic. I'm going to go do some, the ego part of the workout, which is when I say when you get to do all the stuff that you want to do. Now let's do a little tricep work, a little, a little rear delt work. Uh, let's get ready for that summer tank top. Uh, let's do a little shoulder work, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things because, like, a lot of the times I'll, I'll get done, you know, because I, I really got into that cross rope, jump rope stuff, and, and I do that. Whoa, I do multiples. I do five a week probably, but then. Do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do it like four or five times a week for sure. But I, I'll, I'll do like back to back, like like I'll do whatever one is. And then if it's not long enough or I want to keep going, I'll just do another one. Dude. OK. okay like I'm okay. hardcore into it. Like I really enjoy it. OK, we got we got to tell people what cross ropes are. Cross ropes are these weighted jump ropes. Yeah. I think I introduced Matt to him, but I can't swear to it. Uh, and I can't remember who introduced me to him other than I was. Once I learned how to jump rope, which was only like seven or eight years ago, I really enjoyed it because I couldn't run because my knees were bad. It gave me a cardio alternative. Well, cross ropes are really good weighted ropes that are durable. They got handles. They come in a bunch of different sizes. And they got, a, um, they got programs you can do. Like I want to do a jump rope program. You can click it on your phone. And they got them all. They got them from 10 minutes to like an hour probably. So they're great ropes and great workouts. And... Uh, I've been thinking about adding that to me as a secondary workout, and you you may have just inspired me. Yeah, I really enjoy it, man. And, and you know, because some days I'll do like these 8 to 12-minute workouts, which to me is like a warm-up. Like, I don't even get it. Right. But, you know, I like doing I, – I try to do the ones that are at least 30 minutes, and then sometimes if I feel like I want to do like a short one on top of that, I'll do that. But I, I like it a lot. Now, I will say that it's – and this is what's wild, but you'll agree, and I know that you do – the, the quarter pound is cool. The half pound, you can feel it a little bit more. The one pound is somewhat difficult. That two pound jump rope, and, and this is what's weird, because like, two pounds, that's nothing. You try to Shit. jump rope with two pounds and you're slinging that thing around, my God, it's difficult. Dude, it's, I don't even, I tried to mess with it. I was like, you know what, bro? It's not even worth it to me. And so um, I've got the quarter, which is the green one, and the half, the yeah. white one. But I've got a, uh, I think the heavy pound one is the is the gray one. But you know me, I went off script. I got the like the electric blue one, which is like a pound, but it's a speed rope, so so it's still a pound, but it's designed for you to go a little faster. And then I got like the orange one, which might be like one and a quarter. Um, but again, it's a, it's designed for you to go a little faster, or it might be three quarters. But I got the whole gamut, so like you, so I can run them. And then I try to use a different one every day if I'm not doing like a routine. Yeah. Because in most of the routines, they have you switching ropes so that some of it's heavier, some of it's lighter. Uh, but check this out, man. We did a jump rope routine that was about 35 minutes about uh, a month ago. And it left, I, you know, you don't realize, and I did it with the one pound weight cause, uh, rope because I didn't have the other one with me. Yeah. You don't realize the stress that puts on your ulna. You know that thing that the uh, that the baseball pitchers blow out all the yep. time in your elbow. It's a lot, yeah. Bro, about twenty minutes into it, I'm like, why is my why is my arm burning? And at the end of it, dude, I could barely straighten my arm out, and I still couldn't. You know, dumb me, I still couldn't figure out why it was because it was only on the right side, not the left side. And it just so happened I went to the chiropractor that day. 
And I said, can you figure out what's going on with my elbow here? And uh, my dude was like, bro, this thing is so, uh, so tight and so inflamed. It's like it wants to bust. And so he did his magic thing, and uh, it was fine like an hour or two later. But I didn't realize it, it was from jumping rope. And so now I try to keep my, I keep it down to about 20, 25 minutes at a time. Yeah, that'll happen to me from time to time. And, and it's like you can feel it in there as well. And, you know, that's how come, like, I'm the same way as you. Like, there's a lot of the times I'll do the two-pound jump rope, but, like, it'll say, like, like one I tried the other day, it was, like, 40 seconds with the two-pound jump rope. And I'll do, like, 10 seconds take 10 off and then 10 seconds, you know, cause right. trying to sling that thing around for 40 seconds isn't going to happen. Like maybe if I was younger, I could, but I feel that in my elbows way more than anything else. Yeah. And, um, it's a I'm lot. really, I'm trying to do it to, uh, I love it as a cardio thing. So I'm trying to blast yeah. calories and, and do a little bit more speed, but it does, it, it will help your shoulders get defined, especially if you use a little bit of a, of a heavier rope. But, uh, I got, I got nothing but love for the jump rope family, man. Nothing yeah. but love. It's a lot of fun. Finna, I'm finna send you. Uh, you know, I like to send Matt pictures while uh, while we're talking on the on the show. I'm finna send you the pictures of the uh, of the other set I have in case uh, you ever feel like uh, moving to the next next level. Yeah, I started doing some different stuff where, like, even outside of the cross rope exercises, like I've worked in like my own dumbbells, and I'll do like dumbbell stuff. And in between that, do some jump rope and just, I don't know, just switch it up, make it fun. I can work out in my garage, which I like. And it's kind of like my, uh, just like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I enjoy that. And then afterwards, I'll run around the neighborhood. And one thing I like about this area is there's such, like, there's a ton of hills. I mean, Alabama right. is very hilly. And so I'll run up the hills and stuff and, you know, just kind of push yourself and just get out there, burn some cardio. It makes you feel good. I like it. Feel good. Dude, Dude that's what it's all about. And I, I tell everybody, man, <clears throat> um... Because, again, I've been a former fat guy. So, But I, I tell everybody I sent my daughter a because uh, her birthday was a Saturday. I yeah. sent her a, a text. You know, I, I gave all my fatherly stuff. I love you. I like the way you're evolving and all that stuff. And I said, remember, the way you treat your body in your 30s and 40s, that thing's coming back to you twofold in the 50s and 60s and 70s. So, you know, get you some kind of exercise on the regular Nobody said you had to be an Olympic athlete. Just move just a little bit, man, and uh, so that your body is good as you get older. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, and, and it's just it's enjoyable. And, and so the running journey, I don't know. It's, running's just so easy because you can do it anywhere. You don't need anything to do it except a decent pair of shoes, and you can just go out and, and do something. And, you know, so that's kind of like with me, like a lot of times I'll wrap up a workout and I'm like, ah, I just run around the neighborhood. I don't feel like going inside yet and I'm done with this, but I want to keep going and I just kind of go for a jog or whatever and just right. and, and just enjoy it. But the other thing to get into here is it's book time. And I think I was saying this in the last, like maybe a podcast a week ago, I started reading the Gray Man series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, man. It's good. Yes, I'm on book two. And I am, let's see, I, I did book one. Book two is like 500 and something pages. So it's a little longer. But man, I, I read, I probably read for three hours this morning. Like I could not put it down. And when we get done doing this, I'll probably go and try to finish it. Because I mean, the, the story, you it, it's written in a way where you just want to keep reading to find out what the hell's happening and how these guys are going to survive or not. Because not Ooh. everybody always does that's around the gray man. Oh, okay. So not everybody. What? What's going on over here? So not everybody survives. All right, that's cool. You know, I like that when when there's some surprise. 
I guess we're just you all right over there. It's just a shit show over here, bro. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be all right. It's um, no, that sounds uh, that sounds good. You know, I haven't done much pleasure reading in the last six months. Most of it's been reading with a purpose, and so I might just start another book just to just to work in some pleasure reading time. You should because all my all my stuff's been about, I mean, self improvement. How to make my business work more efficiently. And then, and I'm not just saying this, but I'm in the midst of writing a couple of books. And so, which is really kind of hard to do them simultaneously. <laughs> but I'm also doing some reading to see other approaches that people took to book writing. Um, just to see what approach I want to take as I get further along in yeah. these uh, manuscripts, as it were. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm hooked on the gray man, and the, since there's 11 books, it, it, there's a very good chance that I'm going to be reading <laughs> gray hey, man did books. You, did you finish the Dexter series? Yeah, yeah, I finished it, yeah. Okay. Oh, so you see how you said, of course no, I finished No, I mean, it. those were. It was only eight books, and yeah. it was quick reads, and I just knocked them out like uh, Buster Douglas did Mike Tyson. Oh, man, do you think that you'll ever read them, or should I reveal what, the Dexter books? Yeah, I mean, they've been out for forever, you know, and I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So if, if, if anybody ever thinks you're going to read the Dexter books because there's eight of them, then don't listen to this. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to listen because I'm on the show with yes, you. Yes, but I was going to reveal but, kind of the end of it. Uh, but I probably will have forgotten it okay. by the time because it was around to read it. It's very interesting, and the end of the books... He and Deb are going on this drug lord's boat and they're trying to because this drug lord had kidnapped their children because Deb in the books has a kid and then Dexter has his his three children with Rita, who is also killed in the books. But they go onto this drug lord's boat and it's at the end of it. And the whole thing is always told from Dexter's perspective. And so right. he, he gets shot and he's talking about how he's bleeding out and he's waiting for Deb to come around with this other boat because he had rigged explosives on the drug. I mean, it's really wonky at the end. And at the end, he's just like in the middle of a sentence and it just fades off and that's the end of the whole series. Really? With the idea that he dies, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, most I, that, that's actually pretty good because I don't know that you get to speak a full sentence when you die. Right, like, like he's just describing... He's like, and I'm in the water and I'm looking up and I see the stars fading now. And I'm, and then it's just, and I turned the page and that was it. I mean, it was just done. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? That's it? I was like, man, that's okay. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, if it's told from that perspective, it's kind of interesting the idea that they did it like that. No, sounds good to me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess. I mean, I can, I can be down with that. I also have a couple of the books that I want to get into. I'm probably. I may actually next week switch in, in the middle of the Gray Man series and get this book that's coming out because Bob Odenkirk, who many of you know, he plays the character Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad on Better Call Saul. Well, Bob right. Odenkirk has done a ton of stuff. You know, I think he was originally like from, uh, what, who is it? Conan O'Brien. I think he was with him. He came up through Second City in Chicago and did stuff like that. So he is releasing a book about his life it's a memoir called comedy 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 drama with a bunch of stories about his time like with chris farley and as a writer on saturday night live and his career with breaking bad and all that and that book comes out on tuesday march 1st so i'd like to read it that like, 
Yeah, that sounds like a good one to me. Yeah, so that's probably going to be next as I take a pause from the Gray Man series. Then I'll probably jump back into the Gray Man series because, man, it's... I mean, there's 11 of these books, and I mean, I'm, they are riveting to read. I mean, they are just... The action in the books is just intense. I mean, my God. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's why they sound good to me. Like, I might need to dip over there and, um, you know, figure out uh, how to get a little, bit of, a little bit more reading time done. You got to check it out, man. If that's what you're into, you like it. Do it now. <laughs> now. Do it. Yes. All right. Will, so there uh, you have it. That's a, that's a solid podcast, I guess, for today. Hell yeah, it is. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. We've got a couple coming up. We'll have a podcast for you on Wednesday. We'll have a podcast for you next Friday. We'll keep it rolling. We'll have Todd Archer with us on the next podcast, see what we can get into with Todd. Who knows? I mean, it's, you know, interestingly enough, it's not perhaps as prominent as it had been the last couple of years, but the franchise tag deadline is one week from Tuesday, so that'll be something we can get into with Todd. Is there any chance the Cowboys might use it on anybody out there? I don't know that they would, but it's an option, you know, transition tag. There's a variety of tags that they'll have to consider how they wanted to use those, if possible, on any of their free agents before the deadline a week from now. True that, true that. So I we'll get into that. The, uh, yeah, I don't think so, but you never know. I don't know, but we'll find out together. Enjoy your week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.